So every January, I have uh, some friends who each new year describe for themselves a word for the year. And you might know how this works. These friends will choose words like joy or uh, contentment or, you know, generosity or simplicity to, find their, to define their year. As an aside, it kind of makes me wonder why they don't choose more fun words. For me, I've been wondering what it would be like to define my year with a word like Dairy Queen or, you know, something, something like that. But you, you, you get the idea of these words for the year, don't you? That, that they're kind of aspirational in nature. These words describe how you want to grow. And by declaring these as your word for the year, uh, they kind of set a direction for you of encouragement and, and focus and accountability. That's what a word for the year does. Well, with all the things that have been happening around our church these days, I, I've been reflecting in preparation for this talk on you know, how I would describe all of this or define all of this in a word for the year. And I've been paying attention to all the conversations that we've been having as a leadership and in all the different facets of our ministry, trying to kind of consolidate it into, into one common theme. And I, I think I've got it. So for this year, I want to kind of introduce our word for the year, or at least my sense of what our word for the year is. It's the word accessible. The word accessible. Now, I know that this word isn't the kind of word that at least at first motivates people to leap tall buildings with a single bound. It's not the kind of word that's flashy or catchy that you post on a t-shirt or that all of a sudden you throw it online and it goes viral. I, I, I understand that. And yet, the word accessible in a lot of ways encompasses everything that we're really trying to focus on this year as a leadership for our church in every way in which we sense that God wants us to grow. And in addition... It defines something fundamental about the way that God intends to work in the world. See, to be accessible is to make something that is formerly like uh, kind of out of reach or out of touch become, you know, in reach, become enjoyable or, or capable of being experienced. I, I brought along some stuff here. Um, you know, these tickets, for example, make hockey games accessible. These are tickets to the Buffalo Sabres and Toronto Maple Leafs. You might not think they have a lot of value, but someone sure did. Uh, membership cards, you know, make things accessible. This one makes highway auto service accessible. This is a CAA card. And this one, this is really great. Th th this makes awesome stuff at Costco accessible and makes the total insanity of a Saturday morning there accessible to people. That's what stuff like that does. I've got keys that make things accessible. Accessibility can actually, you know, bring life, can't it? In fact, in some cases, it can be game-changing. If you think about the way that, you know, push-button doors or modified vehicles or elevators can make things accessible for people with disabilities. You understand that when things become accessible, they can change your life. And nowhere is that more true than spiritually. We've talked many times about how the Bible says that in our broken, fallen human condition, humanity has become separated from a relationship with God. A chasm exists between people and God. But the scriptures teach that God in his love sent Jesus to close that gap. Ephesians 2.13 says this, Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. 
you know, through the sinless life and then sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, people can be reconnected in a relationship with God. In a lot of ways, Jesus Christ's work on the cross made God accessible to people, no matter who we are or what we've done in the past. But as if that wasn't enough, the risen life of Jesus, the implication of Jesus' resurrection, not only makes it possible for people to experience accessibility to God, it makes people who are following Jesus able to extend that accessibility to others. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. You know, through Christ, God made himself accessible to people again. And it says, God has now given us this task of reconciling people to him. As if it wasn't awesome enough that through Jesus, God enabled a way for people to become reconnected with God. God, by his Holy Spirit, makes it possible for followers of Jesus to make God accessible to people. That's the business of his people, and that's the business of groups of people united together as a local church. Accessibility is core to what God intends to do through our lives and through our church together. And so this morning on this Vision Sunday, I actually want to talk about four key ways in which we're going to focus on doing that even better this year. And in all the metaphors that you could think about for different agents of accessibility, you know, bridges and, and elevators and things like that, the one that's really been kind of burning on my heart is this image of a ramp. This image of a ramp. Ramps are really synonymous with accessibility, especially for people with disabilities. You'll see accessibility ramps all over the place. And so by way of metaphor, I brought some props along this morning. I want to talk about the four pieces of the ramp of accessibility that we're building this year that are going to make God accessible to people in greater ways. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Our first piece involves the mission of our church. Our church's mission is kind of the, the, the first piece of accessibility. And you might have never thought about this before, but the mission that God has given us as a church can make him accessible to others. See, most times, most people will associate a life of faith and being part of a church with going somewhere on a Sunday morning. That's what people of faith are called, aren't they? They're called church goers. That's what it means for many people to, to follow Jesus. And for many years, in a lot of ways, that's what it meant for for us, our faith was really synonymous with gathering together in environments like this on Sunday mornings. We've always believed that faith should be so much more than that. And over the last number of years, God has given this, is, is this incredible gift to experience that through what we call around here our anchor causes. There are focused initiatives of compassion and support to a marginalized or excluded people group in the part of Niagara where we find ourselves in our various locations. Our anchor causes define us locally and then together we rally as a whole church with the global anchor cause of child survival. And these anchor causes have kind of become core to our mission as a church. Like I said, they're what, they're what define us. And so for, for many people who might associate a church with just attending, you know, we, we've got a lot more to offer here, which is a really big deal, especially in people who find God accessible, inaccessible. See, a lot of times people will be hung up with people of faith be, because they're hypocritical. They, they don't actually practice what they preach. They, they, a lot of people will feel like when all's been said and done, 
a lot more has been said than done by people of faith. And, and you know, I've, I've heard people describe people of faith like that, that, that are a lot of talk, but not a lot of walk. But in these anchor causes that we've launched into, they exist for multiple purposes. We've reviewed them many times. They exist, when we launch them, they exist for three purposes. Number one, they exist to care for people in need. Number two, they exist to grow people in the church who are part of them in ways that other programs never could through the learning by doing of experiencing these wonderful life-changing friendships and relationships. And then number three, they paint a picture of this new front door for people to be exposed to our church, not through words, but through deeds. Not through talk, but through walk. And you may not have realized, but in doing that, those, those, those missions that we have, those anchor causes, make God accessible in a way like nothing else. We've experienced that around here in the last number of years. What it describes in Acts chapter 2 where it says, All the believers shared everything with each other, selling their possessions and dividing them with those in need. And the whole city, all of the onlookers, were favorable to them. We talked about this before, how good deeds open people's hearts and their goodwill, which opens their minds to the good news. And by walking the walk in these tangible, practical ways through our anchor causes, we make God accessible to people in extraordinary ways. And so around here, we're trying to raise the profile of those anchor causes. Number one, we're trying to raise the involvement rate of all of our people. We want these experiences to be accessible for all of us. In fact, probably the most important metric that I keep track of that, that we're focusing on improving this year is what we call our engagement rate, which is the percentage of people in our congregation who are actively living out this lifestyle of action through one of our anchor causes. And so we want to raise that engagement rate big time. And then in addition, we want to figure out not only how to make this accessible to more of us, but to make these anchor causes more accessible to our friends and our families and our neighbors and to people who are even outside the church that might want to check things out, not through sitting and listening, but through rolling up their sleeves and giving back and making a difference right from the get-go. I experienced the wonder of this last spring where uh, we got a phone call because there was a, a dinner shift at the shelter that uh, had a cancellation. And so Becky and I were asked if we could uh, find some people to cover the shift. And so we thought about who we would invite to bring along with us. And we'd remembered that there were some people from our kids' hockey teams that had indicated that they had some, some interest in doing this. So we threw out an email to a few families and we got amazing response. Not only did people sign up to be part of it, we just had a great time serving dinner at the shelter with people who had no association with our church or in, in some cases with, with any church. In fact, here's a shot of the kids and the, and the kids' hockey teammates serving dinner. They're having a ball there. And uh, so last spring, we had this, this great experience. This was kind of at the end of the hockey season. And now fast forward a few months, where just a few weeks ago, we resumed uh, the, the next hockey season. And I reconnected with these families that I hadn't really seen or talked to for almost three months' time. And I was so taken aback by how many of them, how immediately brought up the opportunity of serving in the shelter. And many people who didn't get to be part of it, who'd heard about it, asked if they'd get a chance to do that this year. In fact, there was a conversation at our kids' first hockey team party that they were having around the new coach. And the new coach caught whiff of this and started asking questions about it and asked what it would take for the entire team to be able to do that as an experience of giving back. I took a step back and I thought, on what planet in my lifetime have people outside the church been almost begging to be part of it? 
I hope that you and I can appreciate the ripeness of the, the on-ramp of accessibility that our anchor causes can be, not just for us, but for the people we rub shoulders with to help make God and his love with skin on accessible to them. Our mission, our mission is a critical piece of creating this ramp from God to people. Okay, the second thing we're working on uh, involves our church's culture. We started talking about this last year, and uh, we kind of defined this as an era that we were launching into last year, where we appreciated that you know, so much of the division within the church and so much of the polarization of the church which, with the watching world was a real turnoff to people. Not only did people feel that you know, followers of Jesus were often hypocritical because they didn't practice what they professed or preached, but, but, but they were judgmental and they were kind of polarizing and really opinionated. And so you know, we sensed that God wanted us to, to move in this direction that we described as love beyond belief. Love beyond belief. That's what we talked about in last year's uh, Vision Day service in, in, in this environment. And the idea of love beyond belief in no way is about abandoning your beliefs or, or minimizing your convictions or becoming wishy-washy with them. Not at all. What it's about is about learning to live above them and to rise above them in a way that lets your relationship not depend on sharing certain beliefs even about things that matter a lot to you. So we, for example, you know, tried to model ourselves after uh, Romans chapter 14 and 15. We talked a lot about that in this past year, where among other places, it says this in verse 20. It says, don't eat or say or do things that might interfere with the free exchange of love. Don't, don't do stuff that interferes with the free exchange of love. Let that be your highest goal. Let your love supersede all of your beliefs and your conditions on relating to people because of them. So we've been learning things about humility and hospitality and mutuality and justice. And more importantly, we've been learning about the primacy of the law of love in the Bible. And I know that in the last year, even though it's just the start of an era, God has grown us immensely in being the kind of people who represent him. A God who, in love, sent his son to love, who described his greatest commandments above all else as love, and launched a faith where the scriptures say the only thing that counts is that it expresses itself in love, where we could know everything about everything and our beliefs could be perfect. But the scriptures teach if we lack love, we're of no spiritual value. We've seen God grow us in incredible ways, and we think he's going to continue doing that, knowing that that still needs to be an area of focus. We've still got you know, work to do. I was reminded of this a couple weeks ago where uh, we were at a life group barbecue, and a friend of ours had shown up and had just finished uh, being part of the taping of the video that you saw at the beginning of this morning's service. And uh, so she was explaining what the, it was happening in the taping. Her name is Lori. And uh, here's a shot of uh, Lori's pairing. She was paired up with a guy named Steve. And together their line was uh, conservative or liberal here. We've all got to give a little here. And uh, so she was explaining this. And, and just so you understand, this video was not made up of like, you know, paid actors or staff or anything. These are, these are people from across all of our locations, just ordinary, amazing people who are part of our church. But, but they were selected somewhat deliberately in the sense that they all kind of represented or had uh, kind of a, an association or relationship or something with, with 
the lines that they, that they described. So they were, they were com- somewhat strategically selected, um, as were Steve and Lori. And so Lori was explaining that, you know, she was doing this line. And I'd asked her, I said, Lori, you know, how was it to, to deliver these lines uh, with Steve? And she said, well, it was great. I know I've known Steve for some time. He's a nice guy. It, it was great. We, we, we did great. And I said, well, did you actually get into talking about your, your diversity? You know, specifically about your, your political views. And he said, well, she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know that Steve, um, like he's a Trump supporter. And uh, you could see this look on her face. She was like, he's, he's what? And I said, yeah, he, he, like, he, he's, into, he's into Trump, the, the Donald. He, you know, you see this confusing look, kind of getting more confused. She says, how is that possible? <laughs> And, I mean, this is a life group barbecue. It's a big group. I, I'm, I'm not trying to wade into this, this mess. And, uh, and I, I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. He just, you know, wants to make America great again, I guess. But, and, and she looked, and finally, she kind of changed her countenance. And she says, well, why wasn't I informed? <laughs> oh, and I just laughed. I said, Lori, because conservative or liberal here, we've all got to give a little here. And that's the way we're trying to grow as a church community. We're rising up beyond our differences and our diversities and becoming a unified voice of love for Christ. We're hoping that we can continue to grow in that way. In fact, our next series starting next week, another five weeks digging back into the book of Matthew, is going to be five weeks looking at this very thing in an even more hard-hitting way. I'm super excited about that because we not only have the opportunity to grow out of the hypocrisy reputation by practicing what we preach, we can grow out of the insensitive, judgmental, opinionated, polarizing impact by developing and continuing to grow in our culture of what we call love beyond belief. Item three that we're working on to try to build this ramp of accessibility uh, involves our church's programs. You know, if you think about it, by the time, by the time someone gets the sense that we're actually interested in walking the walk, that we're serious about our faith. And they come into contact with us and they realize that we're open and welcoming and endearing to everyone, no matter who you are, what you believe, where you come from. At this point, they may actually want to give our community a chance. They may actually be interested in checking us out. But at that point, a different question emerges, not the hypocrisy question or the judgmental question. The question that emerges is the relevance question. The question of whether if they were to experience, you know, life at Southridge, they were to kind of plug into some of our programs, you know, would it work for them? Would, would it track with them and their family? And so we're dead set on making sure that that's the case this year. In fact, our family ministry has been, you know, just super excited to relaunch this fall. We've been in this vision for a number of years that we've labeled as orange. Orange is simply the color of yellow and red mixed together. Yellow represents um, the light of the church and red represents the love of the home. And the idea of orange is mixing those together. It's a partnership between the church and parents, specifically the church and family, to raise kids and to raise families in a supportive way. We've been 
kind of down that road for the last number of years, but it's only in this past year that we felt like we've been adequately organized and staffed now with these family life pastors at each of our locations that this September are ready to rock. And so this week, we're not only launching our next grades of our M&S program, uh, which is our grade school program, or our junior high program, Riot, which launches this week, or our senior high program called Current. They all launch this week, and we're super excited about that. We're also having a volunteer kickoff this week. And so if any of you are volunteering in any family ministries that serve kids from age zero all the way to 18, I would encourage you strongly to participate in one of the two kickoff nights tomorrow or Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. at our Vineland location. They're the same event. You only have to go to one. But if you're volunteering in any capacity or if you're interested in exploring what it would look like to volunteer, I highly encourage you to get involved so you can support those programs being even more relevant to serve kids and families. That's one of the ways that we're trying to really increase the effectiveness of our programs. The other way that we're really concentrating on this year involves this particular environment itself in, in how we deliver our Sunday services. And this one came out of a service that we, we, we held earlier this year when a, a, a very tragic accident happened and a firefighter lost his life. And our church ended up kind of rallying around this family and hosted at our uh, St. Catherine's location uh, a funeral service for over a thousand people. You know, servicemen and women for all across Niagara and, you know, friends and family of this firefighter and, and, and his family, even the, their son's hockey team was there. It was just this incredible, you know, community experience that we offered. And, uh, and I was talking to my brother Ben, who's on our leadership team, and was quarterbacking this funeral. We were talking uh, in the week after, and, and he was just kind of, he was just kind of ravaged by how different he felt that experience was of that funeral that we offered um, from what we offer on Sundays. And obviously, a, a, a funeral service, especially a funeral service to a largely unchurched audience, uh, is going to be very different and in a lot of ways serves a different purpose than a, a church service on a Sunday. But his point was, why are they so drastically different? When, when that funeral service seemed to track with so many people, such a wide bandwidth of people from all stripes all across Niagara. One of the things we realized was that fundamentally different in that, in that funeral service was the language that we used. And specifically, I'll say two things. Number one, we, we made no assumptions that people understood anything about faith or the Bible. And, and in every comment that we made, our starting point was from zero. Doesn't mean that we dumbed anything down. It just means that we made no assumptions to move on to the 201 stuff without, you know, starting off with some, some introductory sentences. The other thing was that we spoke in plain, understandable English. We didn't use all of the churchy terms that insiders to the church commonly and often even privately will refer to as Christianese. You know, that internal speak that only makes sense to people in the know, that makes people outside of the know really aware that they're, that they're out of the know. I feel this every time I bring my car into the auto mechanic and he talks about how my, you know, tie rod is wearing out and it's affecting the upper control arm and it's doing this and the wrist bone's connected to the, you know. I feel like I need to book a doctor's appointment by the end because I, I, I so don't understand what they're talking about. It's, it's, it's over my head immediately. And that insider speak is kind of an alienating thing to people that makes them feel like, like things aren't relevant to them. And so around here, um, we're going to make some changes, some drastic changes 
to try to improve that. Uh, one specifically we, we launched into just last week is videotaping our services real time and videotaping and kind of debriefing the worship leading and the hosting and, you know, the, the comments that are made and kind of filtering through those comments. Are we speaking in a language that people can understand. You think about in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 9. God says this, if you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking to an empty space. We're going to become vigilant in monitoring that and really trying to kind of clarify that. The other thing that we're going to do, kind of in the spirit of the, the, the funeral service, not that we want them to be that, that sad, um, but we're going to offer the occasional service this year that is specifically intended to be addressed to an audience of unchurched people. Uh, we used to do this back in the day. We called them Finding Faith Mornings. Uh, this time around, we're going to call them Starting Point Services. And October 23rd, we're going to launch into our first Starting Point Service of this year. Uh, the details are still being worked out, but you need to trust me on this. It's going to be super intriguing for all of your friends and family and coworkers and classmates and neighbors and teammates. They will be super interested in the subject matter that we're pulling together for this October 23rd uh, starting point morning. And so, you know, be excited about those things, but know that we're taking it really seriously to not just raise the credibility and not just transform our culture, but to really try to leverage our programs in ways that are relevant, not just to those of us who are part of the church, but to others as well, to be part of this ramp of accessibility to God for people. Well, you take a look at this. These are the three kind of areas that we're focused on in this next year as a leadership. We're focused on our mission and trying to leverage the impact of our anchor causes, trying to focus on our culture and becoming a love beyond belief community and trying to focus on our programs and making them as relevant as possible to people, especially people you know, who are unaffiliated with, with faith and, and, and following Jesus. But you'll notice at the same time, that there's one piece of the ramp missing. In fact, this piece of the ramp is probably the most important piece because it's the first piece. It's the very first thing that helps people access God. It's kind of the first step that people take and experience of that ramp of accessibility. Only this piece is very different from all the other pieces. The other pieces are what we call corporate in nature. They, they represent our collective initiatives as a church. This last one though, this last one's deeply personal. Because this last one is your life and mine. This last one is your life and mine. And, and for sure, one of the ways that each of us personally can contribute to this ramp of accessibility is by contributing to these different aspects of the life of our church. That's for sure. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. We've said again and again and again, we need everyone's help to help everyone. And we can't build these other pieces of the ramp of accessibility to God on behalf of other people without everyone's time, everyone's talents, and everyone's treasures contributing to it. We need everyone's help to help everyone. But in addition to the way that God wants to work us among us collectively, what is true is that the primary way that he touches people's lives and curiosity to kind of intrigue them, pique their interest into a life of faith and a, a life of church community is through the individual relationships that people have with individual followers of Jesus. That was God's plan all along. Look at it in Acts 1.8 when Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit, my resurrected spirit, comes on you. He's talking to his first followers. 
You will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem where you live and all over Judea and Samaria, the region around you, and even to the ends of the earth, all around the world. He says, I'm going to give you the capacity to be my witnesses, to bear evidence to the reality that I exist and that the work that I have done is real. And if you stop and think about it, as much as people can be impacted by the work of a church, most people, especially in the early phases of their journey of of faith and development, most people are initially triggered through a relationship they have with one person. You see that true uh, in many of our baptism stories. A couple weeks ago, we had another baptism. There are always highlight moments around here. Baptisms, if you're unfamiliar, are just services where people uh, kind of profess that they want to follow Jesus and they make this public declaration through the ceremony of baptism uh, that God has changed their life and that they're on a new path aspiring to follow him. It's always a huge celebration. Definitely the highlight, real moments for us as a church. Um, But in most of those stories, when people share about the work that God's done in their lives, most of those stories can be traced back to, you know, one or two people who had a trajectory-changing impact in their lives. You know, a friend of mine at work who saw me struggling and, or someone at school who invited me for coffee and we got talking and, or someone on my street that I ran into and we, you know, developed a relationship and we started to have these conversations and, 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 and that's the way that it works because God intends to empower people of faith with the capacity to be his witnesses to evidence the reality of his activity in the world through the integrity of our lives and through the kind of crucible or or through the ongoing commitment of a sustainable friendship. That's all it takes. For those of you who are kind of intimidated by that, thinking that, you know, to be a, a witness, I need to somehow be able to articulate a whole bunch of sophisticated things. That's not the case at all. Keep in mind that the picture of your life will paint thousands of words to people. And the medium of how you live is the message. The way that you carry yourself, how you relate, the values that you show, that's what's going to compel people. And so I'm wondering for each of us individually, if we can not only make a commitment to be part of this ramp building process collectively, but whether we can make those commitments in our own individual life as well, whether we can reflect on the degree to which we're walking the walk and take the steps we need to to engage in a faith and action that people can see that, that proves that we're serious about walking you know, our talk. If we can commit to this culture of love beyond belief, and live above the opinions that we hold and the, the, you know, the values that we might share that could polarize us and not make those conditional in the way that we relate to people. And if we can, when we're in conversation about faith things, be as relevant as possible and just use ordinary plain language that we and our, our friends would understand. If, if, if we can be those kinds of people, if we can be those kinds of people, and contribute to us becoming that kind of church, then we believe this year on Vision Sunday 2016 that we can become a church that's accessible. And we think that nowhere is that a bigger deal than in a life of faith where we can make the God of the universe accessible to not just us, but to the people around us. If you believe that too, and you want to respond in a way today that demonstrates your commitment, we've got uh, a special experience today because today's a a special day. And uh, you'll notice uh, at each of your locations at the front, there are these pails that each contain these uh, cuts of wood. There's nothing really spectacular about these things. These are just, you know, end cuts of wood, but they're intended to kind of represent the shape of that very first piece of the puzzle, that very first piece of the 
of the ramp that we're building as a church. And if you want to be part in your own life and as a church of helping build this ramp of accessibility this year, I'm going to invite you, after I pray, to come up as the band is playing. I'll invite the band up now to start getting set up. As the band is playing, to come up and grab one of these pieces of wood. On your way back, though, when you sit back in your seat, I want you, as you're holding it, to kind of reflect on it. And reflect on what God might be saying to you about how you can become a more accessible person and contribute to a greater degree of accessibility to the people in your life. Maybe think about, first of all, the kind of people that God's put in your life. That, that he intends for you and specifically you to have an impact on. Maybe write their names on, on, on this piece of wood with the pencil that you were provided earlier. You know, maybe you can think about ways in which you can contribute to the different initiatives of our church this year. And think about changes that you might want to make. Or maybe it's more of a personal thing and you want to think about changes that, that you know that you need to make in your life to make yourself more accessible, to exude who Jesus is in a more integrity way, in an ongoing way. Or maybe it's just a commitment or prayer to be more deliberate about keeping those connections going and keeping conversation happening regularly with the people that God's placed in your path. Maybe you want to, you know, think of a word for the year that, that you want to define your life. Whatever, just take some time to reflect on that and, and kind of mark up, you know, your, your, your wood wedge here. And, and you know, if you, if you come up and you, you take it and you don't really feel like there's a purpose for it other than maybe like a door stopper, um, then use it as a door stopper. And for the next year, just, you know, kind of jam it in that door and allow it as it keeps that door open. Allow it to represent the open door heart of God and the open door kind of people that we want to be to the kind of people that God wants to place in our path. Bottom line is, in 2016 and 17, in this next ministry year, we feel like the word for the year for us is accessible because we feel like God, in a whole bunch of different ways, wants us to work on building a better ramp to him for people. You know, when ramps work, they're incredible things. When they don't work, it can be so frustrating. And I don't know about you, but I've been experiencing this all summer where, um, you know, because I live in West St. Catharines, the, the way that I get to the QEW is ideally through the 7th Street exit. But uh, if you're familiar with the QEW right now, the 7th Street exit is closed both ways. And uh, here's a, a picture that uh, someone risked their lives to, to take uh, th earlier this week to show you what it says as you're driving down the QEW by 7th Street. You know, isn't that a sad state? You know, it says ramp closed. Ramp closed. Big sign there, ramp closed. And every time I'm, especially when I'm driving back from Toronto or the airport or Hamilton or whatever, you know, I've got to think about another way to, to, to get home, another way to kind of maneuver around because the way that I'd like to go, the most easily accessible way is closed. And it's so frustrating and inconvenient when you have to see that ramp closed sign. A couple months ago, we had uh, some friends of ours uh, who lived on our street. They were over uh, at our place hanging out with Becky and I in our backyard and in the course of the conversation, they had shared that uh, they were thinking of coming and checking out our church the next day. This was a Saturday night. They were talking about coming on a Sunday morning. Now, in my case, especially given what I do for a living, I try to downplay my reaction in those situations because I want friends of mine to understand that I'm not going to become better friends with them if they become interested in our church. I, I don't want their interest in our church to be a condition on which our friendship is based. And so I'm kind of deliberate in, in, in downplaying that. But in this, particular, in this particular conversation, I was thinking about the, the next morning and it was during our It Takes a Village series. And I knew that that morning was, you know, specifically kind of focused on people 
inside the church on, on kind of churchy subjects that were meant to, to grow us as a church. And so I was kind of explaining to them that, you know, maybe there was a, a, a different Sunday that would be better for them. And maybe in August, you know, maybe on a Sunday that I was preaching, it would be more suitable. And, you know, or maybe in the fall, and I kind of tried to envision them to, to some other opportunities that would be more, more relevant to them. Well, I was lying in bed that night, and, and the thought kind of came across my head. I said, did the pastor of Southridge just tell people who were interested in Southridge not to attend his church? Did, did, that, did that happen? Did I just tell my neighbors not to come the next morning? And then the thought hit me, and it had been frustrating me all summer with the, with the highway. The image hit me of that ramp closed sign, ramp closed, ramp closed, and I thought, I just gave that sign to my neighbors. I just told them, whatever curiosity that you have in faith and however you want to check that out, it's out, you know, ramp closed. Ramp closed. Gang, this year is about nothing more than making sure that that doesn't happen anymore. Or at least that happens as little as possible. So that our ramp is open and accessible for people to experience a God who is real. A God who loves them. And so they can know that for themselves. That they can know that God loves them. That he sent his son to die for them. That he wants to rescue them from a life of meaninglessness. Apart from him, he wants to give them abundance and the thrill of an adventure. Of not only serving him, but sharing him. And making a difference in the world. We want people to know for absolutely sure that they are known by him, loved by him, welcomed by him, included by him, valued by him, and needed by him. We want to send that message not just to everyone who's part of Southridge. We want to send that message as Southridge to all the people that we rub shoulders this way in the clearest, most compelling way than we ever have. So I hope you're excited about what we feel that God has in store for us this year as we build this ramp to God and make things accessible to people. And we hope that you'll plug into and you'll be part of the adventure that God has for us this year in this ride that we call Southridge. Let's pray together. God, we're excited about where you want to take us this year. We think about the people in our lives that you want to touch and not just the ways that you want to grow us, but the ways that you want to use us to affect others. God, make us open to be changed by you. Make us open to be used by you. And as we respond now and commit to wanting to be people who contribute together and personally to building this ramp of accessibility to you for others, I pray that you would speak personally to each of our hearts. Tell us ways in which you want us to change, ways in which you want us to commit, ways in which you want us to grow, so that personally and together as a church family, we can be those people who say that you, God, are open. You, God, are eager to close the gap, to be in relationship, and to change the lives of everyone, no matter who they are or what they've done. God, make us people who are accessible this year and help us to praise you and give you all the credit when you do. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.